From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is Crosswalk. Our new series, Alone, continues next week when Pastor Clay returns from a couple of days off. This week, Nate Jones, a longtime member of the family and one of the elders here at Cross Culture Church, brings this week's message. It's good to see um, familiar faces help to calm the nerves a little bit. And uh, it's certainly good to see some brand new faces. No doubt, uh, God's probably uh, placed on your heart to be here this morning. I'm so glad that uh, you're here with us. So if you're here with us for the first time, welcome. I certainly hope you feel, have felt welcome before coming. And when you got here and uh, before coming into the sanctuary, that someone greeted you very warmly. I'd also like to say um, uh, to you that uh, God is good. And his word is true. You believe that? God's good and his word is true. And I'm so glad to have the privilege to be before you this morning. Uh, Our pastor is uh, out. uh, uh, He's gone to a uh, high school reunion. And no doubt he's had the opportunity to reflect. I've sent a couple of text messages to him. And no doubt some people were familiar looking or maybe looked the same as they did years ago. And there are probably some that mm, maybe changed a little bit. I said to him very graciously, well, this is your 20-year high school reunion. And he said, well, Nate, not quite. It's about 40-year high school reunion. So uh, no doubt um, that being the case, uh, there's some people that have changed. I'm so glad that God's word hasn't changed, nor his love for us. Amen? I want to read for you a text, Mark, this morning. Mark chapter 10. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, You've heard it and you've seen it many times. Uh, I'm not sure what your takeaway has been from that, but I certainly hope today there is some takeaway for you from this very familiar passage of Scripture. So it begins Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. It's up on the screen, and here it is. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you like, go and sell all you possess And give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. But at these words. He was saddened. And he went away grieving. For he was one. Who owned much property. Father thank you so much for your word. And for us being here today. For the opportunity for us to sit before you. To sit at your feet Lord. And to hear you speak to us directly. Father, I just uh, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity in being here. 
praise you for this opportunity that I have to break open the bread of life in your word. I pray for open hearts. I pray for wisdom. I pray for discernment today. I pray as well, Lord, that uh, those who are under sound of my voice would hear your words and not hear them from Nate, but hear them directly off of the pages of the Bible. Those that you have given to us, Lord, that will be edifying for us. I pray, Father, for our nation and certainly pray for our, our neighborhoods, our, our friends and family and those who are around us. Father, bless us with our health and our strength that we might serve you. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, that I do pray and I give you thanks. Amen. I told you this was a very familiar story. This account of the rich young ruler was recorded in three of the Gospels, in the Gospel of Mark, in the Gospel of Matthew, and the Gospel of Luke. And we're reading from Mark today. When you read this passage of Scripture, you can't help but feel sorrow for this young ruler. Let me try to explain that. You know, when he walked away, there had to be a bit of loneliness in his heart. There had to be some heartache and probably some amount of sadness and, and, and fright. So for us, as we read this, looking back at um, the account of what happened with this young man, uh, when in verse 22 it says, he went away. Now, he went away in verse 22. He went away. That's key. Jesus didn't push him. Jesus didn't refuse him. He wasn't disqualified in any way. There wasn't some corruption or something in his past that Jesus would not accept him as he was. There was nothing that would make it impossible for him to have followed Jesus and to become one of his disciples. This young man, on the contrary, held his destiny in his own hand. Having the power to say yes or to say no, listen to this, he turned his back on Christ. The rich young ruler turned his back on Christ and he refused to follow him. Now, his story is one of the most disappointing in all of the New Testament. And the reason is this. There is no one single man that came into personal contact, came into personal contact with Jesus during his earthly ministry who was richer in possibilities. No one. Richer contact. Richer uh, possibilities, personal contact with him. Therefore, it is all the more sad to see that this man, who in one moment, one moment, he's running to Jesus and kneeling. And the next minute, he's walking away from Jesus with sadness in his heart. Explore some of the good qualities here with this. Let's look at what uh, this young ruler did. The first thing he did, he was eager. He was eager. Here's a man who ran up to him. He had apparently made up his mind. He had made haste and uh, quickened his pace to get to Jesus. No time must be lost because Jesus was about to take a journey. He made this a priority in his life to get there. 
and to go and kneel before him. He didn't linger like Lot did, or he waited for a more convenient time like Felix, and I'll talk about Felix in a while. And whatever you say about this man, he was eager. Now look at this. He ran up to him to kneel at Jesus' feet, knowing that he was about to go off and to go take a journey. The next thing I'd like for you to look at about this man is he was humble. He was humble. Verse 17 tells us this, that he knelt before him. He knew Jesus commanded respect. And this was unusual in that the difference here was this man had social status and his dress. This was the difference between he and Jesus. Here the rich and powerful knelt before the poor and lowly. I want you to get this vision. Oh, that more of us would have this respect and reverence like this for the things of God, especially among young people, but certainly older folks as well. The third good quality here was he had courage. Rich Rungula had courage. He ran when no one else ran. And it's easy to run with the crowd. It's a little more different. You're being the only one that is running among others that are standing still. Nobody else in his social circle said he was a rich young ruler. Nobody else in his social circle was a fellow disciple of Jesus. And here was a rich ruler wanting to join a group of poor fishermen. He was wanting or desiring to become a part of this group that hung around with Jesus. It took courage to come to Jesus that day, and it will take courage for you today to come to Jesus. Another good quality of his was discernment and reverence. He called Jesus good master, good teacher. He had reverence for what he knew and who he was. He saw in Jesus what many failed to see. He saw the goodness and the holiness of God. He showed a reverence to what he saw and how we need more of this today in the way that we live. In fact, earlier in the Gospels, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? This rich young ruler knew that as well, this discernment, through discernment and his reverence. And believe it or not, there was some amount of spirituality. He said in verse 17, what shall I do? He had a concern for spiritual things. He came with solemn, urgent, important, and a spiritual question. What shall I do? Here's a man concerned about his eternal soul. We do not know much of this today. Notice also that nobody went to him about his soul. He went to Jesus. He was morally clean. Describing again, rich, young ruler. And he said he'd kept all these things from his youth up. He was morally clean. He was a man with power and authority. And he had no bad habits. And that's something to be said about young folks today. No bad habits did he have. He had no stains. He had no 
baggage. He had no uh, secrets. Here's a man who is morally clean. He's a man who is acquainted with the law. He's a man who's acquainted with the things of God. And when uh, Jesus said to him, you know the commandments, do not steal, do not kill, do not murder, he knew that he had lived a clean life. There was no shady past. He would make a good citizen and a good neighbor. He's the kind of person you'd want to live close by. He is the type of man that maybe a city council would elect to be mayor. And many mothers would like their daughter to marry a man like this. Many churches might even put him in a church office. He was a man that was also described, one of his qualities was he was religious. He had religion, but he was lost. He had religion, but he was lost. He fasted. He tithed. He went to church. He knew the law, but he was not born again. He had a hunger in his soul, but he was not saved. Just like the average 21st century American church member. He had all the boxes checked. He'd done all the right things. He was wealthy. He had money. But money does not buy or bring you happiness. We can look at some of the folks that we've known that were celebrities that have been, that have had a lot of money. And some of you might agree with me that they're not all happy. The same things happen among them. Divorce, loss of job, depression, There are many things that are named among those who have money and that are wealthy. And you might even say to those who uh, have wealthy, um, that are wealthy, you might think they can buy all the things, all the toys that they want. So he was wealthy. What possibilities this man's wealth could have done for the kingdom of God had he been dedicated and put to work, had it been had it been dedicated, his wealth been dedicated and put to work for God? Let me ask. Don't answer. Have you dedicated your money to God? He was young. Matthew nineteen verse twenty tells us this. This man was young and came to Jesus. He did not want to sow his wild oats first. And then come to Jesus. Literally look at this man's dedication. His priority in his youth. And the way he was trained. And the way he was brought up. And what he anticipated might be a good life for him. He was not going to blow out a candle. Of a life burned in the service of the devil. In the face of God. He came with his youth. Or the possibilities of years of service for the Lord. Most people are saved in their youth. That's true. Most people are saved in their youth. I wish they would remain that. There are statistics that say that that's not necessarily the case. Solomon said this. 
in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. He says this, Remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. And someone has said, The devil has no happy old people. You believe that? He's got no happy old people. The devil has happy young people. He wants you to throw away your life in your youth. He doesn't want you to live a life pleasing to God and serving him, one that serves him. He doesn't want that. Have you given your life to the Lord? He was of social rank. Luke 18, verse 18 says this. Many, he was a, says this, that he was a ruler. And many in our day will forsake God for social prestige, for power, and popularity. And as we've been studying in Romans 12, Chip Ingram puts it this way. He says there's three S's. He says there's sex, there's salary, and there's status. And you've probably heard those maybe even described in some other way. That folks are seeking and seeking today. He had good sense. Truly, he had good sense. He went to the right place, seeking the right thing at the right time. And he came running to Jesus while most today run elsewhere. Run to drugs. They run to uh, illegal things. And they run out to seek and enjoy pleasures. But this young ruler had good sense. So that's some of his good qualities. Let's look at some of the lessons learned from this, if you will. One of the lessons learned is this. The basic needs of man cannot be satisfied by the possessions of fame, fortune, and anything in this life. Let me read that again. The basic needs of man cannot be satisfied by the possessions of fame, fortune, and anything in this life. The world cannot satisfy the soul of man. There are many that have tried. There are many that have will go to um, drugs. And though drugs might satisfy, what they look for is that next high, that next greater high, that next best high. And it's a never-ending pursuit of greater joy, greater pleasure, and greater happiness, wanting to satisfy the soul of man. Second lesson I'd like to point out here, this passage shows us something about our, prior, our opportunities. They don't last forever. Many pass away swiftly. Many pass away swiftly. You've probably heard it maybe said slightly different. When opportunity knocks, take advantage of it. Here is this young man stood at the gate to heaven. And then he left. He came running and he went away sad. Opportunities once rejected seldom, if ever, return. Very seldom do they return. Every day 
that you reject God increases the possibility that you will be lost forever. Every day you reject God. Let me pause here for just a moment. I was listening to the radio one day, and I happened to, uh, as I was traveling, going home from work, and, and a caller had called in, and this apparently was the second day. I didn't hear the first day, but he says, listen, I called in yesterday, and you told me yesterday that I was headed for a burning hell. He said, I asked you if I had, uh, if I had done, had lived morally clean, and if I had done um, some of the right things, I hadn't, I'm not guilty of cheating and lying and stealing, and if I'm not guilty of sexual immorality and all that, you mean to tell me that if I'm a good person, that I'm going to hell? And the answer came like this. He says, no, I didn't tell you that. He says, here's what I told you. He said, I told you that in this life, if your choice, if you decide that you don't want to have a relationship with Jesus, then you don't have to. You don't have to. That's your choice. But why would you want to spend eternity with Jesus if you don't want to spend your life with him now? Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? He said that would be worse than hell. You don't want to spend your life with Jesus now. You don't want to have a relationship with him now. But you want to spend all eternity with him in heaven. That would be worse than your hell. If you believe your life would be better now without Jesus and without faith in him, then why would you want to spend all of eternity with him? And of course, the man in his argument says, well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying to you that I have no problem with going to heaven. I just have a problem with believing the pages of this book. He wanted to plead his argument again and put his question a different way. I'm just saying that I'm really good and I'm really a good person. And there's, you know, you wouldn't find spot or wrinkle in my life. I just can't believe what's in this book. I can't come to grips, to terms with what's on the pages of what I find and read in this book. And the answer came again. I'm not saying that you're going to hell. I'm saying that if you don't want a relationship with Jesus now, having a life after this life, being with Jesus for all of eternity would be worse for you. Here's the point. The point is it can be, it's not really about religion and it's not really about a good life. And it's not really about your habits. What it's really about is a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said he came that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. Even now in this life. He said that he didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. The rich young ruler comes telling all the things he had done to obey the law thinking that that was good enough. Now, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And when that one thing was pointed out, he turned and walked away. I don't have it in my uh, notes here, and they're not up on the screen, but 
Isaiah 1.18 says this, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will wash them white, whiter than snow. Here is this young man that stood at the gates to heaven and then left. He came running and he went away sad. I think of Felix in Acts 24. You have to read more than what I got up on the screen, but Acts 24, verses 24 and 25 says this. A few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. Sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. Now look at his reply. He says, go away for now, he replied. When it is more convenient, I'll call you, I'll call for you again. Not now. I heard you. I heard what you said when you talked about faith and faith in Christ. I I heard you make your argument. I I know what you're saying, Paul, but not now. Not now. I I don't want to deal with this right now. Come back when it's more convenient for me. Come back and tell me about this later. Come back and let me know what your argument is later, and I'll decide. How many of us have said that before? Not now. I don't want Jesus right now, but come back later, and I'll decide on that another time. I think of Herod Agrippa as well, the book of Acts, chapter 26, verse 28. It's up on the screen, and it reads like this. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. You almost persuade me to be a Christian. To me, you either believe it or you don't. Right? To me, you either believe it or you don't. But he says, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Now, what's behind the story with Felix and Agrippa? They're familiar with Paul. They're familiar with Paul's prior life. They're familiar with what has happened with Paul. Paul being a Roman citizen. They're familiar with him. They're familiar with the Christians in the early day. They're quite familiar with that. They're familiar with the way Paul persecuted them. But Paul is on trial, and he's before them, and he's standing before them now, and he's being accused. And Paul says, no, I didn't do any of those things that they said, but this one thing, my faith in Christ. And he began to tell them about that. No, Paul, not now. Your argument is strong and it's good, but, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I can't. I can't cross that line. I can't give my heart to Christ. I've got status and power and position, and right now I can't give that up. Third, usually it is only one thing that keeps a person from accepting Christ. This is a lesson learned from this. 
when the rich young ruler had his encounter with Christ, he presented all the reasons why. And Christ agreed with him. But he said, there's just one thing that you're liking. Just one thing. And usually for us it is just that one thing. It's not the same thing for all of us. But it's one thing that usually will hold us up, hold us back. There's one thing in the life of the rich young ruler. Verse 21 says, one thing thou lackest. He lacked the willingness to put Christ first above all in his life. This is what God requires of all of us. Jesus put his finger right on the spot. Jesus identified the one thing. He had an answer for everything else. And he said, you know, don't steal, don't kill, don't murder. I've done all that. But he hit the right spot. I wonder if God is speaking to us today about our spot. That one thing for us. That's the holdout for us being all in with Jesus. It was just the one thing. But it was too big for the rich young ruler to decide to surrender that one thing. Many people have that only have that, that one thing. It's just strong drink or it's lust or it's money or it's popularity, it's fame or it's possessions. I just say to you today we ought to consider letting it go. Mark eight thirty six says this to us. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul? What do you benefit? What do you benefit? Now, let me tell you this about me. Didn't tell you a whole lot about me before we got started. Um, I've heard said before, you can't take it with you. But let me tell you that I've been trying to save and trying to have it. And let me tell you this about me as well. I don't think I had the possibilities and qualified like the rich young ruler. There's a lot of things in my past. There's probably some baggage back there. But thanks be to God, it is in my past. It is in my past. It's those things that I've let go. I won't tell you that I was perfect, and I won't tell you that I am perfect now. I'll tell you that I'm redeemed, and I'm justified by faith. And I do want to have that relationship with God. I do want to have that relationship with him. I'm not asking you today to be perfect or consider yourselves that you would be. I don't think God was asking the rich young ruler to be perfect. I think all he was saying to him is, listen, give it to me. Give it to me. And I'll give you treasure in heaven. Let's look at what he was offered. The rich young ruler was offered a savior that would save his soul. He was offered a cross that would lead to a crown and he was offered a home in heaven. And look at what he refused. He refused all of it. He refused all of it. The very thing that he went to Jesus for, 
when offered to him and told what it would take to have eternal life. He rejected it. He refused it. Look at Jesus as he begins to lead this young man step by step for what he must do. The young man passes all the requirements so far. If he will, be, if he will take but one more step, he will be saved. All else is done. If he will be, but surrender his all, the angels will sing and the church of God will be richer for all time. If he just step over that line and surrender. What joy for time and eternity would this be for him? Could this possibly be you? Could this possibly be me today? He came, but he went away. Do you not see how you climb to the very door of heaven? And yet fall into hell. When I was doing this. Originally. I decided just to collect my thoughts. And what God had laid on my heart. Was this. As a kind of a tagline or a title. Or at least a topic to talk about. Came in the form of a question. How far. From. Or how close to heaven. Are you. How far away are you? Or how close are you to heaven? I think the answer to that question is measured by our perspective. How far are you from heaven? Not even thinking about it. I'm not even ready to go to Jesus' feet. I'd submit to you today that's where we are. We're right at the throne of grace. God does have grace and mercy on those who come to him. And how close are we? I've heard some say it's about 18 inches. It's about the distance between our heart and our head. Sometimes we have knowledge of Christ, but we don't have him living in here. And that's what it was for the rich young ruler. He knew the law. He knew what to do. And he did all those things. Heaven is not offered to us by works. Heaven is offered to us through the grace of God and his shed blood. Is it possible to talk to Jesus and look him in the face and yet go away? This rich young ruler did that. Can you live with Jesus and not know him? Jesus Iscariot did that. He lived with him. He was one of the twelve and part of his inner circle. Hung out with him. And yet, he really didn't know him. So the rich rung ruler, let me conclude this. Where did he go? What happened to him? Besides, he went away. Where did he go? Did he go back to his friends? Well, he had not found in his friends what satisfied him, and he would not probably have, well, he had not found in his friends what satisfied him, or he would not have sought out Jesus. 
Did he go back to his pleasures? I doubt it. I doubt it because he really hadn't found satisfaction. He was looking for that one other thing, eternal life, to satisfy his soul. Did he go to heaven? I don't think so. I appeal to your knowledge of the scriptures. Remember, he came to Jesus, but he went away. He left heaven when he left Jesus' feet. If you could climb the steps of gold and enter the gates of pearl and walk the golden streets and search for him, your search would be in vain. If you could cross the landscape of eternal bliss in the city four square, you would not find him. If you looked in the procession of the triumph, you would not find him there either. If you looked through the many mansions among the multitude that no man can number, you'll not find him there either. He's not there. How sad amid, amid the fires of eternal woes dwells one who once ran to Jesus, fell at his feet and asked, Master, what must I do? Or what might I do to have eternal life? I'm closing. I thank God for this passage of Scripture and what it means to me, but more so what it might mean to you as well. I appeal to you today, I'm sure what is going on in your life and what has happened and what has transpired. But what I do know is that if we come to the feet of Jesus, the one thing we don't want to do is turn and walk away sad. If you're looking and have been searching for something to satisfy your soul, it's not in your money. It's not in your possessions. It's not even in your social status. You wouldn't find it there at all. But you would find the Savior that has given his life for our sins is given his life that we might have eternal life we invite you to join us on a sunday morning at cross culture church we gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere and celebrate the goodness of our god cross culture may be a little different from what you're thinking sure we're a church but instead of religion we're about relationships a community of believers where jesus is revealed in the lives of each person real people who truly care solid biblical teaching from pastor clay stevens and the most energetic safe and fun kids program around find out more at crossculturelife.org i want you to the cross i Culture Church in North Raleigh, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.